The spirit of performance is what defines Acura. And now, it's electric. Introducing the ZDX, Acura's most powerful SUV yet. Crafted using the same formula that brought them electrified supercars and multiple IMSA championships, the ZDX has track-tested performance that packs an energy all its own. Unlock the energy and order yours at Acura.com. Hi, this is Scott Trout, CEO of the domestic litigation firm Cordell & Cordell. There are many life changes that can happen after divorce that make it difficult or impossible to uphold requirements of your divorce decree. The orders issued in a divorce are based on the facts presented at that time, but the circumstances used in issuing those orders can obviously change. If you feel a modification to your court orders might be necessary, talk to us at Cordell & Cordell. Contact CordellCordell.com, 1065 East Hillsdale Boulevard, Suite 310, Foster City, California, 94404. You are listening to the bird calls on the off the glass, nothing but net and up and under networks. For more on your pelicans, go to iTunes, search the bird calls and subscribe today. What's up, Pelicans fans? Welcome to our special four-part New Orleans Pelicans season preview. I'm your host and contributor to TheBirdRights.com, Preston Ellis. And on today's episode, we're not going to be talking to our usual friends and Ali Cosell, Kevin Berrios, and David Grubb. Shoutouts to them. Instead, we'll be getting the perspective of some of the Pelicans beat writers in Daniel Salerson of NewOrleansPelicans.com, Karen Loftus of ABC26, Andrew Lopez of NOLA.com and Times Picayune, and former Times Picayune and NOLA.com man, now at The Athletic, Will Gillery. Thank you so much to them for joining us on the pod. Really appreciate it. Really impressed with the knowledge and work of these four. Hi, this is Scott Trout, CEO of the domestic litigation firm Cordell & Cordell. There are many life changes that can happen after divorce that make it difficult or impossible to uphold requirements of your divorce decree. The orders issued in a divorce are based on the facts presented at that time, but the circumstances used in issuing those orders can obviously change. If you feel a modification to your court orders might be necessary, Talk to us at Cordell & Cordell. Contact CordellCordell.com, 1065 East Hillsdale Boulevard, Suite 310, Foster City, California, 94404. I think you guys will be too. Some general housekeeping. As always, there's great stuff on our parent network, thebirdrights.com. We've got the Stars Align series from Kevin Barrios. We've got the president for Nico, Julius, and AD from Charlie Gonzalez. And the facts of AD's agent signing with Jamile Dunn. Uh, the work of NOLA's best, in my opinion, Ali Cosell. And an upcoming roundtable to start the season from the entire staff at thebirdrights.com. And again, as always, this is The Bird Calls. As you know, if you like what you're hearing, follow us on Spreaker, iTunes, Spotify, anywhere podcasts are found. But for now, without further ado, let's bring on our first guest. Now it's time for Daniel Salerson, Senior Broadcasting Manager, Studio Host for the Pelicans, as well as Producer to Black and Blue Report. Daniel, you keep yourself busy, don't you, sir? Oh, yes. It's a 24-hour, 24 365 job here uh, with the NBA now that there's so much to do in the offseason. But yes, during the season, uh, you don't see much of me, but it's a lot of fun. Do you feel like a sense of anxiety as you approach the regular season? You're like, there goes sleep for the year. Uh, not really. I'm actually really excited. You know, the preseason has come and gone. You had a couple back-to-back, so the sleep didn't happen anyways. I- I'm just kind of ready to get things rolling. You know, this time of year is very exciting, so no anxiety for me. Uh, the- I'm anxious a little bit just to get rolling here, but uh, I'm excited for the Pelican season. Definitely, especially starting with a big ticket at an event on Wednesday with the Houston Rockets. Of course, you guys can follow him at D Salerson. Highly recommend. Daniel, where can our listeners find some of the radio spots you were just talking about? Um, well, you can listen to the Black and Blue Report on Pelicans.com, the mobile app. You can download it on iTunes. I believe it's on Spotify now. And then as far as our radio broadcast is concerned, we have nine affiliates across the Gulf South and Mississippi and Louisiana. You can listen on 99.5 WRNO is our flagship station. And also on Pelicans.com, there's a list of affiliates where you can find your city and also this year, you can download or buy, purchase League Audio Pass. It's only 10 bucks for the entire season. You can listen to any game in the NBA. So if you're out of out of our, I guess, radius here, the 75-mile radius, I would recommend the League Audio Pass for just $10. You can listen to every game. 
Very cool stuff. I was listening to Sean and John last night. Daniel, the main question heading in today uh, has to be the preseason, the underwhelming performance, 42% from the field, 32% from three, 65% free throw percentage. But the most troubling statistic, 125 points per game to their opponents. And these are opponents like the Knicks, the Hawks, the Bulls, among others. Daniel, the Pelicans were the sixth best defense in the NBA in the last two months of the season. What makes you think they can simply flip the switch by opening night? Well, I certainly hope they can flip the switch. I'm also confident that they can. I think everyone, it's so tough trying to balance how we evaluate the preseason. Because if you look at a lot of the games early on, as we played the Bulls, the Hawks, the Knicks, I mean, the Pelicans played their starters and main guys for the first quarter or two. And then in the second half, it was more of the guys that are trying to make their make a name for themselves in the NBA or even try to make a roster. So when we have to evaluate how the defense went, I think we have to evaluate it in different shifts based on the rotation and based on some of the younger guys. That being said, I still don't think the defense was that great from the rotation guys in the preseason, but I also think there was a lack of intensity, lack of effort, and I think some guys are just going through the motions. I understand it. It's preseason. You don't want to get hurt. I'm not sure the effort was all there, Um, but I was a little bit concerned about last night just because you did have your main starters out there throughout most of the game, and the Raptors didn't play anyone. He still let up in 134 points, so – that switch has to be flipped, and if it doesn't flip, then they'll be in big trouble on Wednesday night. Definitely. I like what you said, though. Health being paramount, uh, as as difficult as it was watching some of those defensive efforts, just knowing that we've got a full slate of guys heading into the regular season is something the Pelicans haven't enjoyed in quite some time. But let's go ahead and talk about the bench and transition over there. It was a trouble spot for the Pelicans last season, specifically in the playoffs. Ian Clark looks again to be struggling from the field. He shot 31 and 13% from the field and three, respectively. But the Pelicans have added a healthy Frank Jackson. Solo's back. He's supposed to be healthy. And the Pelicans have added Jaleel Okafor, who hopefully will be ready this week, and Julius Randle to the mix alongside sharpshooting Darius Miller, who is now over 53%. I think it was on something like 32 shots. Uh, AD Dro- uh, and Drew perennially come close to leading the league in minutes. Do you think they're going to get a bit of a break in terms of minutes this season with the new look bench? Um, maybe in the sense of the, the front court for the Pelicans, because you have Randall, Miritich, and Davis. I think, um, yeah, at the end of the season, you acquired Miritich, but you didn't have DeMarcus Cousins. So it was really those two front court guys. And then after that, you're kind of missing a big piece. So the fact that you have Randall, Miritich, and Davis, I think they're going to swallow up a ton of the front court minutes, which I don't know how many that's going to leave for Jaleel Okafor, but there are certainly options out there. I think the big key is going to be the depth of the guard position, as you mentioned. Who's the backup point guard behind Alfred Payton? Alvin Gentry told us on the Alvin Gentry show right now, it looks like Ian Clark, and it kind of felt that way last night as he came into the game for Alfred Payton. Can he maintain the point guard position? Can he get his shot going? Because that's what the Pelicans will need out of him. With all the guys that can space the floor, you're going to need shooters. And then you go to the wing position. Is Solomon Hill, you know, is he completely healthy? He seems to be completely healthy, but he's struggled so far in the preseason as well. Darius Miller seems to be the shining spot heading into last night's game. I know he shot 0 for 6 against the Raptors from 3, but he was 10 of 13. So that's the kind of uh, production you'll need out of a guy coming off the bench. And then you mentioned Frank Jackson. Uh, I still want to see a little bit more from him. You saw spurts of good from him in the preseason. You saw spurts of him being a rookie. So how many minutes do you give him to start the season? It's going to be interesting to see on Wednesday how that plays out, but I think maybe against the Rockets, the team that's so good that some of the main guys are going to play heavy, heavy minutes until we can figure out the bench and how deep this team really is. Uh, just briefly, in terms of the the fringe guys who might make the roster in terms of both uh, Troy and Kenrich Williams, as well as Garland Green, and even Trevon Blewett, did any of the four of those really stand out to you? Do you think any of them could earn regular season minutes? Um, I think Troy Williams stood out to me the most. Um, not sure if it's still enough to make the roster. Or also, keep in mind, the Pelicans will have one two-way contract available because Trayvon Blewett does hold the other one. I didn't see much from Trayvon. I don't think they played him as much, just knowing that he is going to be a part of the roster this season. So I think they wanted to give some of the guys that might not be a chance to show if they do deserve making the team. But I look at the game against um, the last preseason game against Miami where Troy Williams came in for about seven to eight minutes and piled on 14 points. Yes, it was pretty much garbage time and yes it was a really bad ending to the game between the heat and the pelicans but in those kind of games that's where you are able to shine that's when he got his minutes and i thought he he played so well he was shooting well from three he was able to drive to the basket and finish i think troy williams might have earned a spot on the team if not maybe potentially 
a, a two-way spot. Garland Green and Kendrick Williams, they're kind of on the fringe. I didn't see enough from them to feel confident that they might make the team. But also keep in mind, if, if you keep Okafor and Jack, that's 13 spots on the roster. So technically you have two plus a two-way player. Does Dell Demps only add one and keep a roster spot open just in case? Or does he add two players plus a two-way? So a lot of those guys could make the team if there's a roster spot available, but it's still hard to say right now at this point. Very good to hear you say that. Ali Cosell and I were just in a direct chat, and he pretty much said, uh, pretty much echoed exactly what you just said, so he's going to love hearing that section. Uh, let's talk about pace briefly. Uh, over the past five games, they came out to nearly 115 possessions per game after leading the league with just 108, I should say. Just 108. That still led, led the league in 2017-18. Just how fast do you think these regular season Pelicans can go? I think they can go just as fast as they did in the preseason. They led the preseason in pace. The question is, is how organized is going to be? Alvin Gentry called it organized chaos during the preseason. That that's what was going to happen, and that's where you saw a lot of the turnovers come into play. If they take care of the basketball, then yeah, I think they're capable of running that fast of a pace. But if they're going to be sloppy with the ball, you might have to slow it down a little bit. But you are capable of all the guys that are in that starting lineup. All five are capable of bringing the ball up the floor, which is super important. Especially we see we saw it so much that Julius Randle was bringing up the ball. A ton of times, and Alfred Payne and them were heading to the leaking to the basket. So the fact that you have AD that can do it, Drew that can do it, Peyton that can do it, each one more can carry it up. I think that's going to dictate how fast this team goes, and that's I think the kind of weapons that Alvin Gentry wants. He wants all five guys to be able to bring it up the floor and run. The question is, is can they limit their turnovers with this? Because if that's the case, then the Pelicans will be in trouble. Excellent stuff. All right, we're getting near the end. Nikola Maritich was out there with the starters last night, even with a healthy Julius Randle. Do you expect Randle to come off the bench to begin the season? And if so, how do you expect the Pelicans are going to integrate their three big men together? I'm not sure. Uh, I think because we saw Randle start in the first couple games, and I'm not sure if he, Nikola is just trying to get some more reps just because he missed a couple of games um, at the beginning of the preseason that he wanted to see how he played with AD and Alfred Payton and then kind of flip-flop with Julius Randle. I think it's a pick-your-poison type of thing for Alvin Gentry, or for at least him, he has the option of doing whatever. I don't think there's a bad lineup as far as if you start Miritich to bring Randall off the bench, or if you start Randall and bring Miritich off the bench. I think that gives you a ton of options, especially with now that you can probably sit AD for a little longer if he needs the rest, and you have Randall and Miritich that are capable of not being as big of a drop-off when Anthony Davis leaves. I'm also curious to see if they play all three of them at the same time, if you go a little bigger and play Miritich at the three. So, it's hard to say right now what Alvin Gentry will do as far as the rotations for the front court, but I feel like, like I said earlier, they're just going to swallow up most of that front court minutes. So no matter what, you'll probably have two of those three guys on the court, and it's hard to find another front court in the NBA that you have those type of options where there's not too much of a drop-off when one of your star big men go to the bench. I wrote down that I was going to ask you for a prediction for Wednesday night against the Houston Rockets, but I think that's a bit unfair just based on what we've seen over the past five games. Uh, talk more instead about what it'll take for the Pelicans to win. I think uh, we're hoping that Melo's integration is going to create some hiccups, but you still do have a healthy Chris Paul. You've got MVP James Harden. Uh, you've got a little bit of a roster turnover there. Brandon Knight's going to be in the mix. But what what would you need to expect from the Pelicans in order to steal this victory on opening night? I think transition defense is going to be huge for the Pelicans. Uh, the fast pace, that's been a main problem in the preseason. That The teams that have played the Pelicans have been running just as fast as they have, and it's been really tough on transition defense for the Pelicans to get back. So I think especially with this team like Chris Paul and James Harden, they like to run. I think that's going to be huge. And again, we say it, and I know it's so cliche, but the turnovers, we've seen so many of them, and especially that's what's led to so many transition buckets is the live ball turnovers. Those are going to have to be cut down tremendously because the Rockets are a team that will certainly take advantage of it. So those two things I'm looking for as a key. And also, don't get off to a rough start. I know that's another cliche of, oh, of course you want to get off to a good start. But against the Rockets team, they are capable of jumping out to a 10-0 run, a 12-2 run, and then sucking the life out of you in the jam-packed Toyota Center. So I feel like if you can weather the storm for the first two or three minutes, calm down, it's opening night, you're on national television against the Houston Rockets, then I think you'll be okay. But you do have to flip that switch from the preseason to the regular season and hope that the Pelicans can kind of calm down a little bit and play the game that we've seen spurts of here in the preseason.
Now you can follow him at D Salerson, senior broadcasting manager, studio host for the Pelicans, as well as producer to Black and Blue Report. If you need any more information, you can rewind yourself to the beginning of this podcast. Daniel, thank you so much for your time. Wonderful stuff as always, and best of luck to you as the NBA season kicks off. Thanks for having me on, Preston. I really appreciate it. And now we give a warm welcome to Karen Loftus of WGNO ABC 26. Karen, I know you're under the weather, but how was your summer now that we're transitioning into fall? Hey, Preston. It was good. I'm so excited for this time of year. This is my favorite. We've got football uh, and we got basketball starting. So, Yeah, definitely very exciting. Do you have any special Halloween plans? I know as a kid, I know that you're recently, uh, you've come over from Virginia, but one of my favorite things was Sheriff Fody's Haunted House in City Park. Do you do anything fun like that in New Orleans to celebrate? You know, I don't. I'm actually like the biggest wimp ever. So as far as like Halloween stuff goes, I'm I'm all about the candy. I'll I'll get down with some Reese's and, and all the Halloween candy on sale, but that's pretty much it. <laughs> Very cool. That's still exciting in its own right. And and you said there was a big uh, temperature <laughs> drop in New Orleans right now. How much cooler do you think Louisiana is than Virginia? Um, it might be actually about the same. I think they had a, a big drop. I was talking to some friends in Virginia and Maryland, actually, um, today, and they had a big drop, too. So I think it's in the 50s there, and it was in the 60s here this morning, which I was like, I had to do a double take when I like checked the weather. Very nice. Hopefully we'll get some form of a fall this year. It looks like uh, we're already headed down that path. And with fall, Karen, usually comes the start of the NBA regular season. And this year promises to be a bit more exciting than most. As we're recording this, uh, Anthony Davis, I think just a few hours ago, was on the jump speaking to ESPN Rachel Nichols. This is his second time speaking to her in the last year. And there's been a lot of talk about the pressure on the New Orleans Pelicans to win this season to keep him. But it also seems that Anthony Davis is putting a lot of pressure on himself to perform. He's hired one of the most renowned agents in the industry, introduced himself as a figure to be feared with his now infamous, I'm the best, nobody can tell me different. And he could be, after just two playoff appearances in his career, at risk of like earning a similar label to Kevin Love in the can't succeed as an alpha if he can't put it together this season with Drew, Nico, and Randall. Karen, the pressure has been put on New Orleans to perform. But do you think there's any pressure on Anthony Davis this season to challenge for the MVP, among other things? I think it was sort of what you just said about him putting pressure on himself. I don't know if it's anything like outside pressure on him. I think he puts pressure on himself to want to be the best and, and show people that he's the best. I mean, he said it to Rachel Nichols, but he said it to the local media, too, when we've talked to him, like without even, you know, batting an eye that he's the best player in the league. So I think that he puts the pressure on himself and and he wants to win and he wants to do it with the Pelicans this season. Yeah, definitely. And the Pelicans are in a bit of an interesting spot this season. We just mentioned, of course, Anthony Davis, everybody is well informed now on that Rose rule supermax that he will become eligible for uh, July 1st of next year. But there's something else interesting developing in new Orleans right now, Karen, and this could be a beneficial thing uh, right now, but next summer it could be a bit more tumultuous. And I'm referring to Nikola Meritich, Julius Randall, Alfred Payton, Darius Miller, as well as Anthony Davis, uh, who is eligible for the Supermax, like I just mentioned, they're all going to be free agents. So tell me, these guys are all in a contract year. There's a lot of pressure on them to perform just to, you know, make themselves paid on the market next year that promises to have a lot more money than this offseason did. Could the Pelicans with these players who are in a contract year, do they have enough to make the Western Conference final? Or do you think there's moves still yet to be made that we should expect from general manager Dell Demps? You're asking if the Pelicans are going to make the Western Conference Finals? I, I mean, not so far. I, I, I'm asking, do they have enough as the roster is currently constituted with all the guys on the squad, or do you think there's still a couple of guys short? I think they're definitely going to make the playoffs. Um, but, you know, we've talked time and time again about what they're up against in the Western Conference. And, you know, it's definitely not going to be an easy pass. So I think it's more so like they have a lot of talented players for sure led by Anthony Davis. And you know he's going to get his every single night. It's just a matter of are these guys around him going to fit, going to come together, and if the, the chemistry is going to be there. And I think that's yet to be seen. 
Yeah, definitely. A lot of chemistry needs to be developed. Uh, we've seen that firsthand through some of these preseason games. The Pelicans, of course, uh, by now gave up an average of 125 points per game. I think 106 was the lowest total against the New York Knicks. And these are some of the worst teams in the NBA at this point. I'm, I'm speaking about the Bulls and the Hawks, the Heat, uh, who are not one of the worst teams, but um, the Raptors were resting most of their starters. And Jeff Van Gundy said on the low post, which I just listened to today, the preseason, Karen, shouldn't even be televised. Other than the unhealthy obsession we all have for NBA basketball, do you think fans should really take anything away from the preseason? I mean, I don't know if there's any takeaways for the fans necessarily, except for the fact that they get to see their team playing. I mean, it's just like the NFL preseason. It's like it doesn't really count. It's more about guys making the roster and them getting some game minutes and seeing some actual game time against somebody other than, you know, their own teammates and practices and, and training camp and stuff. Um, so I don't know if there's necessarily any takeaways for the fans, just a couple ex exhibition games for them to get to see their players a little bit earlier than the regular season starts. <laughs> Definitely. So let me ask you this, just based on the preseason and and not taking too much away, we've seen the New Orleans Saints uh, slow in the preseason and then come hot to start out the regular season. With that being said, just where the Pelicans left off last season with that sweep of the Blazers uh, and the 48 win total, do you expect the Pelicans to come out with that same fervor to start the season? Or do you think with some of these new interchangeable pieces, they might get off to a bumpy start? I think it is going to be a bumpy start. And, and we've seen that in the preseason. And I think the one game to look at is the Raptors game because coach Gentry was saying he really did want that to be like a dress rehearsal. The starters were going to get more minutes and, you know, sort of the combination of guys is what you're going to see during the regular season. So looking at what they did in that game, they were pushing the pace like they wanted to, which was good. And there were definitely flashes of good things that the team was doing, but in that same token, pushing the pace, was obviously leading to more turnovers there were some miscommunications um so there, there was the good and the bad um in seeing that and that might carry over into those first couple games hopefully I mean hopefully just the first couple games of the regular season as they find out which five you know are going to have the best chemistry and then where you're going to pull these guys in off the bench because coach Gentry was saying they have depth they have they have a handful of very talented players but it's just a matter of figuring out when to piece them in, who you're going to sub in with, which rotations are going to work. And that stuff doesn't happen overnight. And it certainly doesn't happen through two weeks of training camp and five preseason games. Great stuff. Karen, I'm going to piggyback off some of the comments you just made. Uh, of course, uh, pushing the pace has been a large topic of conversation just because the Pelicans played right. at such a frenetic pace last year. Uh, I think it was something like 108 possessions per game over the course of the season, and they were somewhere around 115 for the preseason. Uh, the last 27 games of the season with Nikola Meritich in the lineup and DeMarcus Cousins out, they just went faster than anybody else by far. At this tempo, and you just mentioned some of the role players that Alvin Gentry is going to expect a lot of, and I want to focus on two specifically with you. They're going to have to rely on these guys more than ever because of this pace and because they can't continue to play. I mean, maybe they can to play Anthony Davis and Drew Holiday 38 to 39 minutes a game over the course of an 82 game season. So with that being said, guys who are going to have to spell Drew and Anthony Davis are guys like 20 year old Frank Jackson and 22 yeah. year old Jaleel Okafor. Do you think the Pelicans early on in the season may be putting a little too much hope or I should say pressure on Jackson, who is is in his rookie season, and Okafor, who's had a really tumultuous three years, and both these guys, all I'm saying, do you think they should get a little bit of patience the first couple of months of the season, or do you think Gentry's just going to throw them into the fire? You know, I'm not really sure what Gentry plans on doing. I know Frank didn't play a lot yesterday. I think he only he played like less than 10 minutes. But personally, I'd like to see Frank more. I mean, from from seeing him in practice from seeing him in the preseason games. Um, I like the kid. I mean, he's fast, he's athletic, and I feel like he has a good sense for the game. Um, yes, he's young, but I think he's definitely somebody that they can get quality minutes out of, and especially when you're talking about the depth and if they're going to be going fast to have fresh legs, somebody who's young, somebody who can run the ball, um, between him and Alfred, just sort of 
you know, getting the ball in transition. We, I mean, we saw that from Alfred yesterday, exactly what they wanted from him, just grabbing the ball and getting it up court in like two, three seconds. I think Frank can do the same thing. Now, as far as Jaleel goes, I, I mean, they definitely need to use him too. And, you know, when he gets better, you know, I think he'll be back next week maybe. I think it was like he was out one to two weeks. Um, but, yeah, I mean, he's going he's gonna to be a role player too. And definitely. Thank you so much for your time, Karen. Again, follow her at KCL or KC Loftus, I should say. And you can find her on ABC 26 and WGNO. Karen, uh, would you mind telling our listeners uh, the best way to possibly follow you and your work? Yeah, I mean, just on Twitter um, and Instagram, I'd say are the ones that I participate most on. Um, and then as far as whenever I'm on GNO, that's sort of sporadic. I usually do game wraps after Pelicans home games and um, obviously we're still in Saints season, so I, you know, throw up some stuff and game wraps from, from those games as well. Karen, always a pleasure. The entire team at Bird Rights uh, says their hello, and hopefully we'll talk to you again soon. Awesome. Thanks so much, Preston. And now we welcome on Andrew Lopez of the Times Picayune. Andrew, is, is that what you go by, Andrew? Yeah, uh, Andrew is, is professionally. If you, you see me in the streets, you can go ahead and call me Andy. Uh, but my mom... Uh, back when I was at Loyola, I was writing for the Maroon, and I had my very first byline, uh, and I was so excited, so I came home, and I was like, Mom, I'm, I'm going to be in the newspaper, and her only question was, she didn't care what the story was, she didn't care, if, you know, who I was covering, her only question was, what's your, what's your name going to look like in the newspaper, because everybody calls me Andy, and she's like, I named you Andrew, and if Andrew's not in that newspaper, I'm going to kill you, so... <laughs> Yeah, it's Andrew. Professionally, it's Andrew. See me, see me somewhere else. You can call me whatever you want, but if uh, if you're gonna see my name somewhere, it's gonna be Andrew. Wow, with that kind of reaction, you think you said to her, "Dirty Lopez" or "Gangster Lopez" or something? Just, just Andrew, uh, Andy, just a pseudonym, and it elicited that kind of reaction. Did she have a run-in with somebody named Andy, maybe in her past? She. Here's the thing. She calls me Andy. She just wants my name <laughs> professionally to be what she, she. She's like, that's what I named you. I was like, all right, mom, whatever you say, I'm not going to, I'm not going to fight over Andrew or Andy professionally. So, uh, yeah, but she'll, she calls me Andy. Like, it's just, it's just what she wanted to, to show up in print. Like, this is going to be forever. So, all right, mom, you say so. Now, every time she sees Andrew in print, she's like, I won that battle. <laughs> I did that. I did that. <laughs> That's my she's contribution. She's going to love listening to this and making, making her sound like she's this evil mother. So I'm sure she, she'll love that when, I, when she finally listens to it. We love you, Mom. We're just giving you a hard time because we love you. Who else is going to do it? I, and if my mom's listening, same to you, Mom. Let's go ahead and get rolling, Andrew. I know you've got a lot on your plate today. Uh, by the way, Andrew's a recent addition to the Pelicans coverage team, switching yep. beats from LSU. First of all, congratulations. How do you like the new gig so far? Appreciate. It. I I I love it. I mean, I I'm a basketball guy. Uh, it was it was always something I wanted to do. I was able to help out back on the Pels in 2015-16. Uh, I think Pels fans will remember that that year didn't exactly go the way they wanted. So blame me for that, I guess. Uh, <laughs> if, and if it goes if it doesn't go well this season, you can blame me for that too. I I, I seem to have a curse that follows me around sometimes. But. Um, no, I'm loving it, man. It, it, it's it's great. I, I I love basketball. I used to coach basketball uh, right when I got out of college. So this is this is what I want to do, and I, I love being able to just focus on the NBA. Uh, it, it's it's something I you know I kind of you know dreamed of for a little while now. Well, congratulations, sir. Certainly look forward to seeing what you're doing this year. For all of those who may not follow Andrew already, you can follow him at underscore Andrew underscore Lopez and follow all of his work at NOLA.com for breaking news, quotes, stories, all that good stuff. Also, Times Picayune. But I will say that if the Pelicans do not perform well this year, then we're changing your name back to Andy. How does that sound? I It works. Whatever works, man. I, I haven't had a great track record so far covering teams. Uh you know, the day I leave LSU, they, they start, you know, they, they beat two top 10 teams. They win that in five weeks. Uh, I, I jinxed them in the World Series. When I was covering Tulane, I had to cover like six coaching searches in six months. So, uh, Bells fans should be worried. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> <laughs> we got to get your stink on the Warriors this season. Uh, let's go ahead and get rolling. Uh, the Pelican sweep of the Blazers, Andrew, in round one is now nearly ancient history with all the Anthony Davis rumors, the departures of Rajon Rondo and DeMarcus Cousins, and the recent addition of Julius Randle and Alfred Payton. Andrew, what was your overall impression of the Pelicans offseason? You know, I, I would give it a B. Uh, you, you maybe would have wanted to 
get a little bit more out of that point guard position, but there wasn't that much of a market, and you're already cash-strapped. So you kind of, you know, probably B-plus, really, because you, you, you have to grade them on what they were able to do. I absolutely love the Julius Randle signing. Uh, I think that is going to be one of the more underrated signings in the league this year, mostly because of what Julius can do in this Alvin Gentry offense. He fits almost exactly what you want out of an Alvin Gentry big man and kind of what they unleashed last year with DeMarcus Cousins. And, uh, you know, I'm pretty sure I I can – I would go out on a limb and say that Julius Randle is not going to average five turnovers a game uh, when he's handling the ball like Boogie did last year. So (laughs) he's he's going to, to, to be a little bit better in that sense, and I think that part is going to help the offense. Um, a lot of turnovers so far in the preseason, but I think that's a lot of just playing loose and some guys not exactly going 100%. Uh, so for me right now, I think it, it was – you maybe wanted to see them unload a deal, maybe get rid of Alexei's contract uh, if, if he doesn't look like he's going to be able to contribute. And uh, Alvin told me the other day that he, he's probably still at least a month away from possibly contributing. So – uh, that's the only thing I think right now that you know maybe you would like to see them get rid of a deal or two, uh, but for right now you, you kind of have to like where 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 they're at right now. Definitely, and we know that Dell Dems probably still has a move or two up his sleeve. We've seen two years in a row at the trade deadline him exercise those first round picks with contracts. But Andrew, I have to caution you: be careful with that five turnover talk. We still have some boogie truthers uh, left among us. I- I'm just kidding with you, but you did have a nice transition. <laughs> Uh, we're recording this on a Wednesday, and you were talking about Julius Randle, his first two performances against the Bulls and the Hawks. The Pelicans right now are 0-3 in their matchups against those two teams, as well as the Knicks, where he didn't play with that back injury. Obviously, the record doesn't matter. Many of these veterans are simply getting back into game shape. Uh, you have experience as a coach. When you watch preseason games, what, if anything, do you look at for signs of improvement and cohesion? It's it's the efficiency on the offensive end, but it's hard to to kind of even grade the preseason when your your star players probably playing seventy percent, maybe. Uh, and I'm not saying because of injuries. AD is just not going hundred percent right now. He he kind of made the comment the other day. Now, granted, this is after practice. He he kind of made the comment. These guys know what I'm going to bring when the regular season comes. Uh, essentially saying like he he knows like all right like I'm maybe I'm not going hundred percent right now. But you you know what's going to happen when the regular season is going to come on, and I think that's why maybe you, you don't you don't see as much concern from Alvin on how the, the you know the defense has kind of given up a lot of a lot of points uh, so far. The offense is where he's really concerned, and he has expressed his concerns about the the, the turnovers. I think it was what twenty twenty three the other night against the Knicks. Yep. So those are those are where where I would be concerned, and I, I want to see those numbers go down. I want to see the, this team become more efficient. Uh, if you can see that, then you'll be all right. And I think that's where you, you'll you'll end up being okay. This is a team that's trying some new things. I mean, I think Czech Diallo has three corner three pointers in the preseason. Let's be real that <laughs> that's not going to happen uh, when the regular season comes around. No, we hope not. Uh, Good stuff. At the time many of you guys listen to this, we're going to be but two days away from the regular season opener with the Houston Rockets. Of course, that's on Wednesday. Andrew, the Pelicans have been a notorious slow starter in recent years. What are your expectations, not only for the Wednesday opener, but do you think there's any chance the slow start uh, could change this season with a pretty difficult opening slate? Yeah, it it wouldn't surprise me to see them under 500 after – 10 games or so. And, and I don't mean that as a, as a flight toward the team. I just think that it's a really tough schedule to start. Uh, when you look at, you know, when, when the schedule came out, the one thing I remember when the schedule came out was, man, the end of this season is going, is pans out really nice over those final 13, 14 games uh, where, the, where they can make a real move. Um, after that first homestand, so you, obviously you start with the Rockets, and then you get the Kings, the Clippers, the Nets, the Jazz at home. You know, you, you're, you're, you could be looking at three and two after that. But then you have a road trip where you go at the Nuggets, at the Warriors, at the Blazers, at the Spurs, at the Thunder. You could, you could very well be, you know, 
four and six. And I think if you are, that's that's a win for the start of the season before you then you can get back to, you know, playing the Bulls, the Suns, the Raptors, and then you kind of get back to, to, to being regular. But uh, if if it is a slow start, I think Pels fans need to just kind of be uh, patient. That is a very, very rough road trip, a five-game rotor uh, at the start of the season like that. Um, you know, the Blazers are on the, on the second night of a back-to-back. Uh, you know, after you play the Warriors the first night, it 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 doesn't set itself up necessarily to you know for them to start out eight and two and blaze you know and, and be this this world beater of a team. Now they do start off eight and two. Buckle buckle your seats, guys, because it, it it's going to be a, a heck of a season if they can start out that well uh, against a schedule like this. And wouldn't that be something? Looking at the schedule right now, uh, a soft schedule to open uh, after the Rockets with the Kings, the Clippers, and the Nets. But after that's yeah. when it gets really dicey. And if they can finish eight and two, like you said, uh, the Pelicans might be the talk of the of the league at that point. Let's finish up with this one, Andrew. Obviously, the talk in New Orleans is always centered around Anthony Davis, and they need to yeah. win to keep him in New Orleans to sign the supermax, the richest one ever signed. I think it's somewhere around five years, two hundred thirty-six million, uh, which he is eligible for starting next summer. Andrew, do you think the Pelicans can do enough? And what do you think it would take to perk his interest into that five-year extension? You know, I, I think what he's going to end up doing is he, let me, let me just put this out there. He will sign the Supermax extension. The question becomes, who does he sign the Supermax extension with? Um, he, it, for, for that to happen, I mean, he's leaving tons and tons of money on the table and it's 60 to 70 million dollars he could end up leaving on the table if he tried to leave in free agency uh, or if the trade happened next year uh it, there's a lot going on they they need to just show that they are moving in the right direction uh everything i had heard from ad uh you know a couple of years ago was he wants to 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 set his base in new orleans he wants to you know his family loves it here he's very much a uh, kind of a quiet guy. Uh, the one thing I think he wants, and the, the biggest thing I think he's going to try to do with this uh, change in agents going to Rich Paul and Clutch, is uh, endorsements. I mean, this is this is Anthony Davis we're talking about, and I think his biggest endorsement deal is is Red Bull. Uh, the only time I've ever seen him in a commercial, it's for for like Mobile One Motor Oil. I mean, this is this is Anthony Davis we're talking about, and. Uh, you know, sometimes he's he's used in an NBA product. He's used in, you know, uh, you know he's been in a Sports Center commercial or he's been on, you know, NBA 2K uh, as a featured guy. But he he needs to kind of expand his profile larger than that. Could he make that money up the gap in in endorsements if he went to Boston or LA? Probably. But uh, as long as they continue to push forward and make deals, uh, I, I think he'll be okay and, and end up wanting to stay here. But you know, the I understand why uh, Pelicans fans would be nervous with the the switch to to Rich Paul. The last time somebody switched to LeBron's agent, who was a big time Hornets guy, you know, it was Chris Paul, and he ultimately forced his way out. So, um, it, it's going to be interesting to watch. Ultimately, I I do see him signing that deal and not leaving the money on the table. But you know, where he ends up playing if he tries to force his way out kind of remains to be seen. I think he ultimately stays here, but it, that's that's going to fall on Dell Demps to, to make the deals to make it happen. Great stuff. Remember, you guys, you can follow Andrew at underscore Andrew underscore Lopez at NOLA.com. And, of course, his newspaper, The Times Picayune. Uh, thank you so much for your time, Andrew. This is really great stuff. Really looking forward to seeing you on the beat this year and some of the stuff that you're going to bring to the the Pelicans, to both the fan base and to us here at TheBirdRights.com. So thank you, sir. Hey, no problem. I, I look forward to it. And anytime you guys need me throughout the year, uh, I'll, I'll be here. All right. Now we welcome on to the podcast, Will Guillory, formerly of the times Picayune, now of the athletic, the athletic is taking the NBA by storm. I feel like just over the past three months, they've fulfilled their, their 30 man team. Will, first of all, congratulations. Uh, how was your summer? First of all, man, I enjoyed it. You know, it was a lot of fun for me, a big move. Like you just mentioned, uh, going over to athletic and joining, you know, uh, some of the, the best writers in the business. I think it's really an honor just to be a, a part of that roster with so many great guys and, and so many people, you know, that, that are delivering great stories in this league. And I'm just hoping to be a role player on this squad. Just let me be Darius Miller hitting corner threes on this squad <laughs> and I'll be fine. 
That's awesome, man. Uh, as most of our listeners know, I live in Orlando and I work closely with Josh Robbins of the Orlando Sentinel, and he just jumped to the athletic. So congratulations to right. him as well. Uh, Will, obviously, you just uh, compared yourself to Darius, uh, Darius Miller, but I wanted to ask you, obviously, you're still working in New Orleans. You're still focused on the Pelicans. Is anything our listeners uh, come to expect from you? Is anything like that going to change? Or are they going to get the same reliable information they've been getting? No, yeah, I'll definitely be covering the Pelicans the same way I did last year. Probably, you know, obviously a little different because I won't be working for a newspaper any longer. But, yeah, I'll be the Pelicans guy. And I'll also be, you know, telling a few interesting stories around the New Orleans area. That'll be coming later down the line. But, yeah, definitely I'll be covering the Pelicans this year. And I'm looking forward to, you know, telling some great stories over that at the, uh, the Athletic. Very cool, sir. Looking forward to it. Now, you guys, uh, of course, you probably already do, but in case you are not already, make sure to follow Will at Will Gullery. That's G-U-I-L-L-O-R-Y for breaking news, player interviews, and just as he mentioned, so much more, so many more breakdowns and uh, sit-downs. Uh, looking forward to those, sir. Let's go ahead and get rolling. Will, the Pelicans fan base and, and media alike were thrilled with the addition of Julius Rando, uh, Randall following the departure of Rajon Rondo over to Los Angeles. But do you think the Pelicans are going to miss Rondo's leadership over the course of an 82-game season? Oh, yeah, I don't think there's any question about that. I think, you know, Rondo was great for this team, you know, down the stretch of what he was able to provide on the court after uh, DeMarcus Cousins went down. But, you know, the, the presence he brought in that locker room with his experience and the way he was able to really push Drew Holiday and Anthony Davis the way he did, you know, I, those two guys, you know, have so much talent. And they have so much to to do in this league, well, you know, as far as accomplishments. And we we know both of those guys have such a bright future. But a lot of times with younger guys like that that have an accomplishment, they, they need those older guys in the locker room to really demand a lot of them and just say, hey, this is what it takes to really compete at the highest level on a night-to-night basis. And I think those two benefited so much from having him around and having his perspective on the game. So I think uh, I think they learned a lot from him, and they're hoping that they can kind of carry that into this season. But I think just that presence, especially come playoff time, with the way he watched film and understood opponents, I think that was so valuable for this team. And it's something they're going to have a hard time replacing. But I think they're going to try to do it just with a committee of guys. But I think just having so much, uh, so just a fountain of knowledge coming from one guy, I don't I don't think it's is really possible just to replace that one guy. Definitely. As far as uh, intelligence goes on the court, Pelicans are obviously expecting a lot from Alfred Payton. But in terms of what Rajon Rondo did to make his teammates better, uh, let's continue and transition over to Anthony Davis. Obviously, he's always going to be the biggest story in New Orleans. And he's put the league on notice with some of his comments this offseason. I'm the best. Nobody can tell me different, as well as his regular season and postseason performances last year that led him to a top three finish in both the MVP and Defensive Player of the Year voting. In addition to, like I just mentioned, his union with Rich Paul of Club. Now, here's my question to you, Will. Would you expect Davis's performance to regress in the absence of Rondo or stay about the same? Or do you expect an ascendant season? And if so, where do you think in which element of his game would you say he improves? Yeah, I think uh, I don't think losing Rondo is going to have that big an effect on Anthony Davis's numbers just because we saw him have great numbers before Rondo. We saw him have great numbers with Rondo. I think he's such a talented guy that he's going to be up around 28, 11, and three blocks, you know, every night, no matter who the other four guys on the court. That's just how good he is. But I think uh, one thing without Rondo, I think that he wants to improve on a little bit this season is I think we, we've talked about this before with AD in the past, but I think this year he's really going to make a concerted effort to really be that guy that can grab the ball off the rim and push it up in, uh, in transition, be more of a playmaker, be more of a guy that can go coast to coast, where he he isn't so reliant on his guard to make plays for him. And as great as Anthony Davis is and how efficient he is offensively, probably one of the, the few knocks on his game is that so many of his shots throughout his career has come from other people creating for him, other guards creating for him in pick-and-roll situations, throwing lobs to him, feeding him in the post. And he he doesn't do as much creating for himself the way other guys like the James Harden or the Kevin Durant, LeBron James, the other elite guys we look around the league. And I think, we're going to see more of that from him this year. I don't know if that's going to really uh, hurt his, his efficiency some, just because uh, when you create for yourself on the perimeter, you're probably taking more tough shots rather than you know just catching lobs from Rondo. But I think that's something that he really wants to do because he understands the attention he's going to draw from opposing defenses. And if he has the ball in his hands, 
uh, and they're sending multiple guys his way that's going to open up opportunities for the Drew Holiday, for Nikola Miritich. So I think that's something Pellets fans can look forward to with the pace that they want to play at. They, they want to always have five guys on the court that get that rebound and go. And I think that's something that AD is going to really be mindful of this year. And we might see a few more of those plays where he catches it, takes three dribbles, and then he's laying it up at the rim. And that's something that can really take his game to the next level. Very cool stuff. And we know, as always, Anthony Davis, Andrew Holiday are both going to be in extreme physical condition. But with that being said, these guys typically lead the NBA in minutes played, uh, at least per game. Uh, But you mentioned Nikola Meritich and Julius Randle. Having those two guys are definitely going to help him and give him breaks periodically throughout the second and third period, hopefully so he can have a bit more energy at the end. I want to talk to you about their possible fit together, Uh, Nikola Meritich, Julius Randle, and Anthony Davis. How can they work on on the same floor at the same time? Our own Charlie Gonzalez wrote about this week at thebirdrights.com. Will, is it going to work? And how do you think it will function defensively if it does? Yeah, honestly, I think that's the biggest storyline surrounding this team going into the season, just how they can make this three big man lineup work. I think, uh, you know, AD, you know, throughout the years, we've seen him with so many different big men. We know he can make it work with just about anybody. But the key is, you know, how are they going to get those other guys to really fit together and play well as a three-man unit. Can they finish games with those three guys? And I think that's something that they're really going to give a hard look at because, you know, and, and obviously when you're a coach, you want to put your five best guys on the court at the end of games and try to figure out a way to make it work. And I think that's something that Alvin Gentry is going to try to do with this group. I don't know how that's going to affect them defensively. I think they may be a little bit slow on the perimeter with those guys. I think, you know, those three big guys are pretty versatile and they can move around on the perimeter. But, you know, the the elite guys in this league, uh, I think they're going to really test them. And I think the other uh, part that might be troubling with this group is just the the pace that this group wants to play at. Alvin Gentry has talked over and over again how he wants to be number one in pace again this year and probably had a – Play, play even faster than he did last year. And I think when you're playing three big guys, I don't know how fast you can be. I think that might put a little bit of a ceiling on them as far as the pace they can play with that group. But those guys are so dynamic offensively and their their games are so varied. I think they can make, find a way to make it work and to just get enough spacing and, and give Anthony the, uh, his opportunity to create. And Julius Randle is, a, is really good with the ball and finding his teammates. So I think they can make that work. But the biggest question for me is just, defensively, how can they remain stout enough to to keep those guys from really being targets and dribble penetration situations and just the pace? Can they play fast enough with those guys without needing that third guard the way they did most of last year to keep that pace as high as they wanted to? And if they can do that, I think, you know, this could be a really dangerous group. Uh, Just a quick follow-up to that. Uh, Last season, we saw Nikola Meritich on the bench uh, closing games in the regular season quite a bit, and we saw some version of of Darius Miller or Solomon Hill being experimented at the four and just running like a small ball lineup there at the end. Do you think there's ever going to be a scenario this season, especially in the first like 10 to 12 games, where we might see both Nico and Julius Randle sit in the final closing minutes of a game? I mean, I don't know about both of them, but I do think Alvin has shown in the past that he's willing to kind of just go with what's working on the court rather than say, hey, we have to get this guy back on the court. This is our finishing group, and we're going to stick with that. I think he's shown flexibility with, you know, playing Ian Clark over Rondo in the finishing group. But like you said, playing Darius Miller over Nikola Miritich in the closing group. Or, you know, we saw a few times when DeMarcus Cousins first got down here, they were playing Dante Cunningham over him and Anthony Davis at the five to finish game. So I think – He's flexible in, in that way. He's willing to go with what works and what he, what his mind is telling him. Uh, but I think, just like I said, I think they want to make this work with these guys. So I think they're going to try really hard to figure out some kind of way to get those guys on the court and have them uh, win games together and really work together in those close game situations because ultimately it's much bigger than this year. I mean, both of those guys are uh, in contract years, so I think – you not only have to build for this year, but you have to figure out a way to, to build a roster with those guys moving forward. And you want to be able to sell Anthony Davis on, hey, these are the guys that you can win with uh, in the years to come. And I think that's something that they really have to get going quickly because once we get to February and March, you know, every single game is going to be about fighting for playoff spots. So you don't really have time to experiment. So I think they're going to try to get this thing working early. And then if they can get off to a good start, uh, then I think everybody around the franchise will be excited. But if not, I think, just like you mentioned, they're going to have to answer some tough questions about which guys will be on the court uh, at end of game situations and what guys will be on the bench. And some guys will be unhappy about it, but I think you have to do what you have to do to win games. 
That was a terrific transition, Will. You read my mind. You mentioned they've got to get it working early. And this is something the Pelicans have notoriously been slow at in Anthony Davis's tenure, and that's getting off to a good start. And they've got a difficult opening slate this year again after the first game of the Rockets. They've got three pretty winnable games, but after that, it's just a murderer's row. How do you think they fare against the Rockets, and how do you think they'll start the first two to three weeks? Yeah, I think that Rockets matchup is really tough on them just because, I mean, uh, I don't have to tell you that Rockets team is just so dynamic. I mean, James Harden, Chris Paul, those guys, uh, they just create great shots for their team every single time down. They they, they light it up for the three-point range, and I think that's, that's kind of the team that's maybe a little bit of the kryptonite for this Pelicans team where – the Pelicans, they're so uh, so great at attacking the paint and just constantly being at the rim. I think adding Alfred and, and Julius to just bring that to another level. But when you're going against a team that's more than willing to trade twos for threes and the Rockets will say, hey, take all those paint shots you want. We'll come down and just shoot threes and see how the math works at the end of the night. I think that's something that can be difficult on this Pelicans team. And when you play against those type of teams like the Rockets or the Warriors and they hit two, three, four, three-pointers in a row, I think uh, the Pelicans can, can at times, they can start to press a little bit and start to kind of force the issue. And that's something you can't really fall into that trap against this Rockets team. But I think it, it'll be really interesting, I think, that game in particular to see that Julius Randle-Anthony uh, Davis dynamic because I think that's the, the typical type of team that they would love to attack the team that wants to play small, wants to play like a P.J. Tucker type of figure at the four. And the Pelicans will say, okay, you want to play that guy? Well, he's going to have to guard either Julius Randle or Anthony Davis, and those guys will dominate in the paint when you put a smaller guy on them. So I think that'll be a really interesting game to see how that dynamic goes up against that Rockets team where they're kind of established already. Of course, they're bringing in Carmelo and a couple of new guys, but they know what what they want to do and how they want to attack teams, and it'll be a really good test for this Pelicans team to figure out where they are and how far they have to go to kind of compete with those elite teams in the West. There you have it. Again, this is Will Guillory of The Athletic NBA, formerly of Times Picayune. You guys know where to follow him, at Will Guillory. And Will, thank you again for your time, sir. Uh, looking forward to the season. Looking forward to some of the new work you're going to bring us with The Athletic NBA. And best wishes, man. Hey, man, I appreciate you for having me on. All right, thank you so much to all of our wonderful guests, Daniel Salerson, Karen Loftus, Andrew Lopez, and Will Guillory. Really appreciate it. Can't wait to speak to those guys again soon. To our listeners, Thank you guys so much. We know it's a long season and we just want to say how much we appreciate you hanging with us. We know it's going to be a long ride and we hope you'll be with us every step of the way. Tomorrow, we're right back at it. We'll have Locked On Rockets host Ben DeBose and the Athletics' Kelly Iko to help prepare you for the opener with the Houston Rockets on Wednesday night. And then following the game, we're going to have a special emergency recap episode, win or lose, uh, depending on how close it is. With hopefully David Fisher, Ali Cosell, Kevin Berrios, David Grubb. Uh, if we can't get one of those guys, Chris Conner, Charlie Gonzalez, Jamile Dunn, uh, whoever we can get our hands on. Uh, it's going to be a fun one. We hope that you'll join us for that. And we hope you'll spread the word. Thank you so much already for being here. For now, I'm Preston Ellis. Let's go, pals. Thank you for listening to The Bird Calls on the Off the Glass, Nothing But Net, and Up and Under podcast networks. If you like what you're hearing, please take a moment to rate us on iTunes, retweet, share with your friends, and most importantly, subscribe today. Geico presents Yikes, another voicemail from your roommate. Sup, roomie? Hey, a pipe burst in the basement. It's completely flooded. Anyway, I called for someone to fix it, but in the meantime, I was thinking we could finally have that indoor pool party we've always wanted. I got some cool swan floaty things already going. Could you pick up some chips on your way home? Later. The GEICO Insurance Agency could help keep your personal property protected. Like if your roommate isn't the brightest pool float in the flooded basement. Visit GEICO.com to see how easy it is to switch and save on renter's insurance. Geico presents Yikes, another voicemail from your roommate. Sup, roomie? Hey, a pipe burst in the basement. It's completely flooded. Anyway, I called for someone to fix it, but in the meantime, I was thinking we could finally have that indoor pool party we've always wanted. I got some cool swan floaty things already going. Could you pick up some chips on your way home? Later. The GEICO Insurance Agency could help keep your personal property protected. Like if your roommate isn't the brightest pool float in the flooded basement. Visit GEICO.com to see how easy it is to switch and save on renter's insurance. Look around. You can find cars like these on AutoTrader. New cars, used cars, electric cars, maybe even flying cars. Okay, no flying cars, but as soon as they get invented, they'll be on AutoTrader. Just you wait.
Auto Trader.